Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The Bulletin. Righty, let's get stuck into uh, this Wednesday morning with uh, Andrew Gordy slightly earlier than uh, normal gourds, but uh, man, this is uh, this is the, the gift that keeps on giving from, uh, how would you like to be in Spain at the moment covering this every night on telly? Yeah, isn't it, Smitty? Morning to you, morning to all the listeners. Um, I've got to say, actually, um, it's funny, funny you mention this because the last few nights, actually, that have been working, I keep, keep walking into the studio and it seems to be that this story about Luis Rubiales is, is sort of the last story before sport kind of thing. And Mike, Mike McRoberts and I keep looking at each other going, how is this still a story? How is this still bubbling along? Like, it's, it's utterly ridiculous. This, this guy, Rubiales, I mean... He is the definition of bin juice, you know what I mean? Like the, the stuff that collects in the bottom of your rubbish bin, that you're not really quite sure what it is because it's just that bloody gross. Like this guy just needs to read the room and, and get right out of it. Um, and it's, it's really turning into just a complete and utter farce, isn't it? When you think about, you know, all the, all the different steps, I suppose, that this has gone through from the Spanish FA, uh, you know, obviously your wafer are staying pretty, pretty quiet on it at the moment, but FIFA's involved, the Spanish government's involved. When it gets to that level, mate, it's probably time to just read the room and, and get right out of it. I just don't understand why this guy is, is holding on. I mean, he, I can only assume it's for financial reasons, for a payout or something, because there's no coming back from this. He's not going to retain his post. He's not going to, you know, fulfil other, other roles in football now because he's completely blown it. It's probably the most inappropriate thing he could have possibly done on the world stage for this particular event. This was a FIFA Women's World Cup final. Your nation just won it. And you go ahead and do, probably perform one of the most sexist acts you possibly could. It is the definition of toxic masculinity. Just get right out. Uh, and, and yeah, as I say, I just, I just cannot believe for the life of me that this story is still going on. If he had have apologised from the outset, like, you know, hours afterwards, would he have got away with this or had it, the deed been nah, done, no coming back? No, nah, absolutely not. Absolutely not. I mean, it's, it's unsolicited. It, 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 is not, it was not mutual. It, it was, there was no mutual consent about this. I mean, just the, the way also that he just put his hands on her head, like it was such a controlling thing to do um, and it was such a it just absolutely magnified the power imbalance that exists and, and, and I think that probably a lot of people still believe exists right across the football sphere um, the, the imbalance that exists between the men's game and the women's game and to do it in that specific occasion you know like I say it's the FIFA Women's World Cup final literally the, the, the cup the trophy presentation for goodness sake and that's the moment mm. you choose to magnify, as I say, what is the very definition of toxic masculinity. Um, there's no coming back from it. And, 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 and for that reason, like I say, even if he had apologised, it's still a, an absolute no from me. You know, you're in a role of massive responsibility there and you're, you're, you really have, um, like I say, a responsibility to, uh, I suppose, uphold um, the correct image, I suppose, for, for not only Spanish football, for, but for football internationally. 
and that's how you choose to act. It just highlights that this guy um, clearly has no place in this sort of role in 2023. Well, it makes me wonder what kind of body uh, Spanish footballers. I mean, I mean, God's sake, don't you just take his car keys off him and ban him from the building? I don't know. What would happen in the normal workplace? Well, yeah, exactly right, Smithy. And, and what it says about Spanish football is that it, it's weak um, and, the integri- frankly, the integrity of Spanish football. I mean, it, it's littered with examples of, of just being a, a bit of a rudderless organisation, to be perfectly honest. I mean, in Spain, it's, it's the clubs. The clubs really run Spanish football, um, you know, especially, obviously, Real Madrid and, and Barcelona. But there have been so many instances over the years where, even La Liga um, is, is seen as a bit of a, a bit of a weak body, and, and Spanish football federation is is even probably a step down from that. So um, yeah, like you say, I mean they they should have taken the bulls by the horn, uh, bull by the horn, I suppose. Um, you know when when this first came to light, they should have suspended him straight away. But the fact that the fact that he was able to stand up and almost make a complete mockery of Spanish football um, right after. You know, one of the biggest moments you'd have to say in, in Spanish football history, certainly for the women's game, obviously, um, and, and to do what he did and stand up when and, and say, I'm, "I'm not leaving." Essentially, uh, big Leonardo DiCaprio play. Um, but yeah, it was. It's, it's just. It, it's a. It's a farce, and it's turned into a farce. It's a complete circus, and and the fact that it's still going on is just yeah, biggest belief. Right. Okay. Let's uh, let's get back home and and uh, clean the joint up and uh, talk about the Warriors because. Uh, mm-hmm. Looks like uh, they're going to play. Well, I won't say a B team because uh, any Warriors side uh, shouldn't be a B team. But uh, I'm just thinking they're going to rest some big guns. Is there a common sense or an element of danger here for you? Well, I think it's a bit of both, isn't it, Smitty? But what I find really interesting about it is it's the first time. And look, I, before I say this, I'll say that I have been deeply impressed by Andrew Webster this year. I think for a rookie coach, um, he has. The way he has, um, I suppose, acted right from the very get-go, from the start of the season before before they'd even played a game, I think he has demonstrated um, a maturity well beyond his experience as a senior coach in the NRL. I've loved the way he has never once entertained talk of finishing positions or looking, looking further than the game in front of him until now. This is the very first example of the entire season where Andrew Webster has, I think, looked beyond the game that's right in front of him. And that's kind of understandable, I think. But I do find it interesting that he's, I suppose he has deviated from his own narrative, I suppose, because he's been very clear. I'm not looking, I'm not looking at the table. I'm not looking beyond this week's game. I'm not thinking about finals. He, he is clearly now thinking about finals. And that's understandable because they've locked in the top four position and really, once you've locked in that top four position, it, it doesn't really matter what happens from there. You, you're obviously going to play either either one or two um, on on the table, and, and who knows what that could be after after this this weekend's games. It could be the Broncos, it could be the Panthers. But regardless, you're going to need to be at your very very best. You're going to need every one of your players to be fit, fresh, rearing to go, and he really only has one opportunity to do that. So. I can forgive him for breaking his own rule this week. I just do find it interesting, but I think he's made the right play. Um, you know, players like Sean Johnson, especially as we know, he's been carrying that little quadricep 
um, sort of problem for the last few weeks that's prevented him from goal kicking and things like that. And other players like, especially Adam Fanuit Blake, needs a break, deserves a break, um, because those players are going to need to be at their very best, whether the Warriors play the Panthers or the Broncos um, and next week in the first week of the finals. Um, exciting times. And But yeah, look, I think ultimately he's made the right call. Good news for Liam Lawson. It seems uh, his first drive was uh, good enough to uh, tempt the owners into saying, have another crack, son. Yeah, look, Smithy, I, I honestly think that Liam Lawson is possibly the most exciting story in New Zealand sport at the moment. I mean, I, I can... Obviously, I think we all remember when Brendan Hartley um, had his drives um, for, for the same team um, a few years ago. It was it was just exciting, wasn't it? It was exciting to follow his progress. We've got, you know, an athlete who is quite literally at the pinnacle of, of motorsport. And look, motorsport is one of those one of those sports that has um, many, many sort of strands to it, I suppose. But when you're, when you're driving in Formula One, you know you've, you've made it to the very, very top. And now I know that Liam Lawson is only sort of filling in at the moment for Daniel Ricciardo while he recovers from this hand injury. But I feel like this time it's different uh, compared to Brendan Hartley. And the reason I say that is because, well, a couple of reasons. I think Red Bull have clearly demonstrated that they, they rate this kid. Um, and he is just a kid at the end of the day. You know, he's 21 years old. He's still got an entire career ahead of him. Um, but there's just something about Liam Lawson that, that's a bit different to Brendan Hartley. He's got this sort of, I won't say arrogance, but he's got this kind of confident swagger about him. He's got the look. He's clearly a very marketable kid, but he's still very down to earth. I mean, we, we, I know that a few media outlets had a chance to speak to him yesterday. He's still very down to earth um, and a great kid, clearly still learning and loving the opportunity to learn, um, which is, and, and it's a steep learning curve, right? Obviously, the, you look at the circumstances upon which he, he made his debut last weekend, you know, thrown in at the last minute in a car he'd never driven, driving on an extremely challenging circuit and very, very tough conditions. And look how he acquitted himself, you know, coming from well, last on the, on the grid and finishing 13th. Um, that's a magnificent start. And obviously, I think now he's going to have, not just this weekend at Monza, but a few rounds to probably give himself a chance to impress and with the nature of this team and we know the nature of this specific team it is all about taking your opportunities and I think he does he has a fantastic opportunity right now probably over the next I don't know maybe month perhaps to show that he's got the ability to deliver on his potential and I think if he can um, he's got a future either with Red Bull and this specific team but otherwise you know we know what Formula One's like you know you're, you're sort of you know, uh, you're, you're the top of the top top of the tree at one one point, and then you you suddenly kicked out. There's always opportunities that exist at different teams, um, and I think if he can put himself in the right position over the next uh, sort of few weeks, um, there's an exciting future that lies ahead for Liam Lawson in Formula One. Rightio, um, just finally, Gords. Whilst the Black Caps are about to be in action uh, overnight or early tomorrow morning, actually. Uh, against England at uh, Newcastle. Uh, I understand New Zealand Cricket are calling a press conference around about 11 today to announce their new CEO. Uh, I, I would imagine someone from uh, your company is going along, just in case. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and uh, it looks like it's leaked that um, Scott Weenick, uh, who is uh, currently uh, the chair of the New Zealand Cricket Players Association board, has got the job. Now, I find this really, really interesting, Smitty, for a couple of reasons. I think it was really important that New Zealand cricket made the right decision in this regard in terms of having someone with 
some level of international experience, okay? So, because I think the, the one of the things I'd say about David White, I don't think he was the perfect CEO, but one thing I, I would say about David White is he forged really strong relationships with the key boards in, in world cricket. So England, Australia, and India. I think we had tours, um, you know, home and away against those particular nations, probably more than perhaps the rest of world cricket. And I think David does deserve some credit for that. But for those relationships to continue, um, and especially at a time when there's also been a bit of movement, obviously, with the, the chair of New Zealand cricket, I think this person for this specific role needed to be someone with cricketing experience and international cricketing experience. And I think Scott will obviously have uh, ticked those boxes for New Zealand cricket when making this appointment. But further to that, Smithy, and I'll be interested to know what you think about this, I think someone who's got... Um, perhaps the player's perspective in mind is going to be really crucial over the next few years when there is quite clearly things are coming to a head with the emergence of T20 cricket and we're seeing more freelance cricketers, I suppose, um, emerge. And I know this is not anything new, but it does feel like we're reaching a tipping point in terms of T20 leagues becoming perhaps more dominant than the international scene. And I think it's going to be very important for New Zealand cricket to have someone at, in that specific position who understands the player's perspective and can strike the right balance because what we don't want from a New Zealand cricket fan's point of view, I suppose, is to see like what's happened with the West Indies. You know, all their players have essentially just become T20 um, freelancers and, and it's been to the detriment of West Indies cricket on the international stage. We don't want to see that. We still want to see, you know, uh, our, our very best players playing for New Zealand, especially when it comes to, to global events, to, for, for World Cups and things like that. So I'd like to think that Scott um, will have the best interest of New Zealand cricket, but also the players at heart, and he'll be able to be someone who can um, strike the right balance, I suppose, for the modern player. Well, Gordy seems well qualified. I'm just uh, looking uh, mm. up his background. Uh, he, was, uh, he went to Oxford. Um, Post-graduate uh, studies at Oxford, so uh, he has been a, a lawyer uh, with a private practice, general counsel to Auckland Airport. Um, he joined the Modica Group in late 2018, and uh, he's also um, a director of several companies, including the Generate Kiwi Saver Funds Management and Enable Network. So there you go. He's got the business savvy by the look of it. I can see why you and I missed out then, Smithy. Yes, um, didn't even get an interview. Gords, I didn't even get an interview. Oh, unbelievable, mate, unbelievable. Oh, well, better like this time, mate. <laughs> hey, Gords, uh, thanks very much, mate. Enjoy uh, talking to you on a Wednesday. Thank you very much for your time. Cheers, mate, no worries.